I am glad to be sharing with you today in our series that we're continuing called Predecide. We're in this series and we're looking at the notion of making a decision long before you get there. As a former elder and leader here, our friend Kevin Acey used to say, he used to promote that you need to make the decision before you're in the foxhole. If you anticipate being or getting into a foxhole, you already need to know and pre-decide what decision you're going to make. I realize that's not possible with every decision we face in life, is it? But there's some major decisions. And there's times that we see things coming, that we have perception, and God gives us perception into a season or a decision or a situation that we're coming into when it'd be really helpful to pre-decide and to make a decision rather than letting emotion overtake us and drive our, us in our decision-making process. This morning, I look forward to walking with you and taking a look at an important spiritual quality that has potential not only to impact the trajectory, trajectory of your life this year, but of your life. It has some qualities to it that are key to your spiritual strength, that could be key to your physical health, that could be key to your relationships and your mental health. It carries qualities with it that would be helpful to our financial potential, to our ministry impact, to us reaching our goals and our desires. Do you want to know what it is? Do you want to know what this quality is? Before I tell you what it is, I want to state some things that it is not. It has nothing to do with your appearance. It has nothing to do with your family history. It has nothing to do with your education. And it has very little to do with your past. But it has everything to do with you making a decision, with you pre-deciding that you want to have consistency in your life. This morning, I want to be sharing about the power of consistency. We serve a consistent God, don't we? We serve a God of consistency, and he knows that we're full of inconsistencies. I have all sorts of inconsistencies in my life, all sorts of inconsistencies that I can be sharing about this morning, but this morning, we want to be focusing on consistency because we serve a God of consistency. I also want to mention I have a few areas in my life that I know consistency has saved my butt. Where consistency in my life has helped me to hold on, to embrace and to ride out a season. Where consistency in some disciplines and some areas of my life have carried me through. Now, before you dismiss me too early, I can hear some of you thinking, great, I'm screwed. I have no potential in what he's going to talk about for the next little bit. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Many of us are inconsistent in what we eat, and including how much of the Bible that we take in. Many of us have inconsistencies in our exercise Many of us have inconsistencies in being on time. And before you focus on all of those things, 
I want us to take a look in the Bible. I want us to take a look together of a superhero, of someone who's an example of consistency to us. Before we do that, I relate to this, and I think you will as well. One of the greatest authors of the Bible, who's written more letters than anybody, more content in the New Testament than anybody has, says this. Paul says this in Romans chapter 7, picking up in verse 15, and I relate to this. I don't really understand myself. For what I want to do, for I want to do what is right. How many of you relate to, I don't really understand myself? Amen, Paul. Good message. Okay, I might be gaining your interest back a little bit, right? He's saying, I don't understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Man, I relate. That's not how I function all the time, but I think all of us could raise our hand and say, there are times in my life, in my decision process, in emotion, in situations and circumstances, I relate. And I thank God for Paul letting us into his personal journal for those scriptures in Romans chapter 7. But I want to say this morning before I pray that if you're tired of having good intentions and falling short, I want to encourage you that you have potential still today. Again, no matter your background, no matter your past, you have potential with God's help to be consistent. Father, I praise you and thank you for this series and for our time together, for gathering our spiritual family together, for gathering Mount Helena Community Church and leading us in your word and your example. You're the God of consistency. You've been so faithful to me and you've been so faithful to my family and to my friends and to my brothers and sisters here. And God, we want to focus on you and your qualities and your elements. And God, we want to become more like you. God, where we need to be more consistent for our spouse and for our family and for our places of work and for our community, for our relationship with you. And God, I pray that you would help us this morning to up our level of consistency. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Love it. Let me start by saying that some sources figure we make 300 or 35,000, 35,000 decisions a day. Did you hear that? Some sources believe we make 35,000 decisions today. Now, taking that most of us, on average, get about a seven-hour break from making decisions each night while we sleep, that turns out to about 2,000 decisions per hour or one decision every two seconds. Are you tired yet? Whoa, that is a lot of decision-making. And psychologists believe that more than 80% of us don't like making decisions, that we struggle and we overanalyze about the way we're living our life, the way we act and behave at home and with our family or at work and the decisions that we have to continue making that we can't escape and that we really worry about our decisions, our personal decisions about whether they're right 
or they're wrong. It's really important why we're looking at this series called Pre-Decide. What decisions can I make in advance? And how can that help me and serve me well rather than making them, like I said, out of emotion or circumstance or happenstance? Today we're looking at pre-deciding and that with God's help, I am consistent. With God's help, I am consistent. Why does consistency matter? I want to tell you, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Let that sink in for a moment. Consistency matters because consistency outperforms, outdoes, stays focused, is on task, embraces value, and clings to desire to do what's right, to honor God, to make good decisions, not just to make a decision, not to escape a decision, but to make a decision that honors God. What matters is not what we do incidentally or accidentally, but what we do repeatedly. It's not what we do occasionally that makes a difference, but what we do consistently makes the greatest difference and the greatest effect in my life and the lives of others. In Scripture this morning, we're going to look at the character Daniel. And in the book of Daniel, he stands out as an exceptional character as an exceptional person who has an exceptional relationship with God and a devotion to God and a value of God that he puts above all other things, above his work, above his friendships, above relationships, above his own significance and importance, above all that life could offer him in advancement, in a promotion, he wants to honor and to serve God, to set it up. Before we turn to Daniel chapter 6, I want to make you aware of some things that were happening at the time. This story happens around 605 B.C. And it's about 18 years after the Babylonians had destroyed Jerusalem. And the Babylonian government had come in and they were abducting young Israelite young boys. And they thought one of their tactics was to take those young boys and to raise them up to be future leaders and effective leaders of even their own nation inside of captivity with Babylon. And so primarily they would take 12-year-old boys and they would feed them what they eat as Babylonians. They'd take them away from their families. They'd instruct them, put them in their own schools, their own education processes, and they'd teach them Babylonian history. Let them forget Israelite history. And they thought for sure if they took the best and the brightest of the Israelite young boys and indoctrinate them, teach them the way of Babylonian culture, that they too would become amazing future leaders even in Babylon. King Darius was the king at the time and he noticed a special young man a special boy who stood out amongst all those other boys because he displayed unusual consistency. 
He plans so to promote Daniel over the top of so many other top leaders. We're going to pick up the story in Daniel chapter 6. You can turn there to verse 4 with me. We're going to take a look at what's said about Daniel. It says in verse 4, when other leaders had discovered Daniel and the king's uh, plans and thoughts for Daniel, they sought to undermine Daniel's credibility. They sought to dig up dirt on him. Maybe today they'd be looking at Daniel's social media account, see what he was tweeting seven years ago, see if they could dig up any videos online of thoughts and views. Or maybe they'd dig up some of his old relationships with other girls and see if there's any dirt that they could dig up because they really wanted to cancel Daniel. It says this, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Daniel was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Wow. Those are some standout qualities of an up-and-coming young person and young man. What was Daniel? He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Could you really blame the king for thinking this is someone I want to invest in, that's someone I want to raise up? I can't imagine being king back in the day and wondering who you could trust and who you couldn't. And when you found a young person of Daniel's character in whom even his critics could not find fault, how pro you would be, how much you would support a young person like that. His critics knew there's only one way we can crack through. And we're going to have to attack his relationship with God. He's so devoted to God and so sold out with God, we're going to have to do something about it. And the list in scripture of all those who came together, it wasn't by names, but it's all the different positions and places of authority of the people who came together to talk about this. Yuck. Filth. Gross. But here's what they do. They come up with this idea and this plan and they approach the king, King Darius, and say, King, you're so great. You're so amazing. You're so awesome. You're the goat. You're the greatest of all time. Long live the king. Rah, rah, rah. Swell his head a little bit before they cast out their idea to cancel Daniel. And the king says, you're right, I'm so great, I'm so amazing, I'm glad you're so for me, you want me to live forever, tell me your idea. And so they come with their idea. We think you're so great, you're so amazing, you're so awesome. We think that there ought to be for 30 days this season that nobody can bow down to anybody else except for you because remember, you're the greatest. You're the goat, you're so amazing that people cannot bow down to any other person or God besides you, and they can't pray to anybody else, but only to you for 30 days. Or if they do, it's like they're casting this weird, demented sense of unity, bringing all the Babylonians and the captives and the Israelites and many others all together in unity somehow, forcing it down their throat, right? But if they do... If someone does that, then we're going to 
throw them into the lion's den. Are you for that king? Do you want to be the greatest? Are you with us? We want you to long live the king forever. Of course he's with it. He's for that. Let's do it. And he signs it into law. Verse 10. Thinking it's such a great idea, the king had thought and went along with it. It says in verse 10, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. What was he doing? Daniel was being consistent, wasn't he? He had many reasons to push snooze, many excuses to say, ah, I need to take a break from it. No, not even take a break. Well, I could just shutter the windows. I could just close the door. I could just let them know, I'm sick. I'm staying home from work today. But he remained consistent, didn't he? Daniel remained consistent. The king didn't like the position he quickly discovered he had been put in because he loved Daniel. He cared for Daniel and he wanted to see what was best for Daniel. He believed in him and he cared about him. But he realized by dark time as he had fretted all day that he really didn't have any other option. He had signed it into law. He had been tricked. And as he knew that Daniel would have to be cast into that lion's den. I can't imagine what that would have been like for a young person, for a young man who the king trusted in. The king says, Daniel, may your God be with you. I can almost hear in that. I am with you as well. Daniel, I'm so with you. May your God be with you. Wow. We, many of us know the story that When Daniel emerges, he tells the king as the king came to check on him the next morning, Daniel's reply is, God sent an angel who shut the mouths of the lion. Wow. What a description. He didn't say, I made it. King, I'm okay. The first words out of his mouth have to do with God. Right? Giving God credit. Saying, God did this. Wow, the last words of the king to Daniel and Daniel's first words back to the king. I love seeing that parallel. In verse 23, it says, and when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him. Why? Because he had trusted in his God. The question then being, when did Daniel learn to trust his God? Do you think Daniel learned to trust God when he was being thrown in to that lion's den? Do you think when they rolled that stone over, Daniel made a decision, God, I'm going to have to trust you now in this moment. I think we have all that leading to the story displaying Daniel's character and his consistency to tell us that Daniel learned to trust God not in battle, not in the lion's den, Not in ridicule from others, but he learned where he prayed. He learned in prayer that he could trust God when he was even faced with the battle, when he was left alone in that lion's den, 
for ravenous death. He learned, he already knew he could trust God. Are you with me? And so he decided to walk out, to carry out, to remain consistent. No matter what happens, if they eat me, if they devour me, God be glorified. But I'm not going to turn on God. I'm going to stay with God. I don't like this law, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to stay and I'm going to remain consistent with God. There's some things that we can learn from Daniel. I know that most of us pray occasionally, don't we? I can admit it. Daniel, it says, prayed three times a day consistently. It's not what we do occasionally that makes a difference. It's what we do consistently. So how can we grow in consistency? The first thing we're going to look at is to start with the why. The second thing we're going to look at is to plan to fail. And number three is to fall in love with the process. Before you smirk or poke your neighbor and go, plan to fail? Hear me out. We've got to start with the why. Why did Daniel pray consistently? I want to propose to you, it wasn't because of all the things that everybody else was focused on. It wasn't an outward expression of anything. It was an inward desire and a conviction. It was a relationship with his God that he couldn't quit, that he couldn't turn away from, not even with promotion. It wasn't to be promoted. It was to be devoted. For everyone else, they were jealous of him because he might be promoted. But Daniel decided to remain consistent in being devoted to his God. When everyone else was focused on the outside, Daniel remained focused on what was inward and what was on the inside. Daniel was noted for being a leader who didn't lead out of consensus of others trying to please others. Daniel was a person, a man of God, who led out of conviction, led out of a desire to please God because it's God he desired and it was God that he served. There's a reason why a lot of New Year's resolutions fail. A lot of them have to do with our outward appearance, don't they? A lot of them have to do what with what others perceive about me and what might please them or make them think more of me rather than being out of devotion or out of conviction. Some want change in their lives but don't have a clear and a compelling why. A why has power in it. A want is an item on a list but a want with a reputable, with a solid, with a valued desire and actionable plan can hardly be stopped. It has momentum behind it. A why will provide momentum. If you really have a why, you won't wait till January 1st. If the doctor looks at you in October and says, listen, you need to stop Because it's going to lead to, does it seem reasonable to wait till January 1st? 
If the doctor looks at you and says, listen, you need to quit smoking or you need to quit drinking alcohol, your cancer is going to become terminal. Does it make sense to wait until January 1st? No way, really? Why? Because you're going to die. You're going to shorten your time and you're going to lead and participate in the ending of your life by continuing with such behavior. There's some why there. Do you hear what I'm saying? There is a why, and a powerful why causes you to make decisions and take action now. To grow in consistency, we've got to start with the why. And a why causes us not to wait. If I want to grow closer to God, why? Why do I want to grow closer to God? For one, I might be sick of serving the devil. I now want to serve God. I'm tired of him being the one in front of me all the time. His obstacles, the words that he has to say about me being in my head. I want to give God my focus and my attention because I want to serve him. I want to focus on God more than I focus on the enemy. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? No. Yeah, you do, right? When you put your focus and your attention on God and he becomes your desire, there's a sweet momentum to your relationship and there's a consistency that buds and grows. It's not out of obligation. It's out of relationship and devotion. If I want a better marriage, why? So my spouse is better? So they're a better person? No, because I spoke some vows before God and I made a covenant to the way I would treat my wife. I want to leave a legacy for my kids, that's why. I want to provide a good example for my kids of what a marriage could be, of what a family could be and what I hope for, for them could become a reality, but it starts and it pertains to me and my marriage and Not who my spouse is or how my spouse is, but who I am and how I act and how I respond. Or if I want financial stability and I'm tired of worrying about how I'm going to pay the bills and living from paycheck to paycheck, but I actually want to become debt-free, if that's a goal or a why, or even beyond that, that I actually want to become generous, that God's given me the privilege of being a steward, to help resource his children and the family of God and have an impact on people's life for the kingdom, that's a big why. That's a lot bigger than just wanting to have more money. What we're talking about is not willpower, it's why power. When you know your why, you'll find a way. Your values become clearer and decisions get easier. But they're not easy all the time. Number two is plan to fail. Plan to fail. Now, I'm going to stretch maybe the story a little bit this morning, but if you would hang with me for a little bit, I think you'll understand why I'm connect, how I'm connecting it uh, to this point. It says, it does not say anywhere in the book of Daniel chapter 6 talking about Daniel and his prayer life and giving us an example of consistency, it does not point out anywhere that he was perfect. 
that he was perfect. I'm going to suppose that there's some times, give me the liberty, there's some times that maybe Daniel didn't make all the prayer times or commitments. Why do I know that? Why do I think that? Why is that possible? Because he's like you and I? Because he's human also? There's times that King Darius may have said, no, Daniel, you're staying home. Or you're staying at work. This is a late night at work tonight. You're not at home. Now, maybe Daniel went home and made that up. Maybe there's other times Daniel was just caught in too much camel traffic. And as he approached the intersection, there was nose to butt of camels for as far as the eye could see. And he just couldn't get there on time. I'm saying real life happens, right? Real life happens. But those who plan to be consistent plan to fail and think about and talk about what does that look like? Maybe once, but not twice. I think Daniel might have been a person who thought that way. Maybe once, maybe I'll miss my time of reading in the Bible once or one day, but I don't want to miss it two days in a row. I'm going to get right back on track. Sometimes missing a day of reading your Bible feels good. Just to shake up. No, you don't look like that feels good. (laughs) I permit myself every once in a while. Things happen. But the point is that you value consistency. And valuing consistency drives you back to doing what you really want to do. And brings you back to your desire to serve God in the way, to honor God in the way that you really want to versus side-burnering it and leaving it. Go, oh, well, day one, day two, day three. Well, it's too many days now. I can't make it up. You don't need to make it up. Just get back on track. Plan to fail. It's okay to get back in it. I think Daniel would have had to have had that kind of mindset. Many of us are so inconsistent because we have an all or nothing mindset. We think we have to be perfect. Nowhere in Daniel chapter 6 does it say Daniel was perfect. It refers to him with those three qualities that say he was consistent. Consistent, coming back to it. Many of us think missing a day messes it up. Plan for it. Allow it. And momentary failure is part of the process. I've heard the story of a self-defense instructor who, who looked at one of his young students, if you will, and, and said, tell me what this is. Do you know what this is? In mixed martial arts, this is what? A white belt right? It's a white belt. And the pupil or the student said to the instructor, that's the easy belt. That's the first belt you get. That's the white belt. And the instructor said, no, this is the hardest belt to get. Why is it the hardest belt to get? Because you have to start. And most people don't start. People who start get a white belt. And it means a lot. It's the hardest belt to get. And then there's blue belts and purple belts and brown belts. And then he holds up a black belt, which he was wearing. And he says, what is this? And he says, something to run from. (laughs) He says, it's a black belt. And that goes to the white belts who didn't quit. 
the black belt goes to the white belts who didn't quit, who remain consistent, who missed some days, who had some injuries, who had some battles, who maybe took some months off or took some years off, but they came back to it and they said, I want to get a black belt. And I'm willing to work hard. I'm going to be consistent. It's the white belt that's the hardest because it's hardest to start. And then it's hard to remain consistent. But with God's help, we can be consistent. We cannot confuse consistency with perfection and let perfection keep us from being consistent. The last one is to fall in love with the process. Start with the why. Plan to fail and fall in love with the process. A key to the story of Daniel wasn't trying, is that Daniel wasn't trying to get promoted. Just consistently doing what mattered to him and to God. A lot of people obsess about the final goal. To lose 20 pounds. To pay off both credit cards. To read the whole Bible in a year. And some are so discouraged after weeks or months and they fall out because they don't see any way to hit the goal. The goal may be so far out and they're just obsessing with the goal rather than falling in love with the process. Rather than falling in love with the process today. You have to love the process today. And today and today And today, to build a path of consistency that's going to reach the goal that you want to obtain. What if day to day becomes the goal? Because you know if you add today to tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that, you're going to get to that goal. But if you obsess with the end goal and the failure of those days that you didn't, it's going to sidetrack you. It's going to derail your consistency. Winning can be showing up today. What if your win isn't the next belt? What if your win is the belt that you've already accomplished? What if it's being a white belt who's consistent today and tomorrow and one day you know you're going to end up having a blue belt and working your way down the road Some are so discouraged by physical soreness. How many of you hate soreness in your body? When you're sore in the legs, there's sick people out there who love it, who love that kind of feeling. Anita Shirley's dad, Mike McKeegan, Grandpa Mike, was one of those people. He loved getting to the top of Mount Helena and feeling some soreness and the cold that's up there, especially this time of year. He would hike Mount Helena this time of year. In his late 70s. And he gets to the top and said, I love that kind of feeling. You know why? Because it's a let you know you're alive kind of feeling. Reminds you you're still alive. When you can feel that bitter cold to the bone, you can feel the soreness in your muscles, it reminds you you're doing the right thing. He'd be like, that's the track I want to be on. I want to be in my 80s still feeling that bitter cold, still feeling that soreness in my muscles because I know I'm on the right track of consistency. I love it. And if you're consistent, you'll make progress. 
progress doesn't have to be the goal. What if consistency were? So we're pre-deciding. Today, with God's help, I want to be consistent. God consistently has a heart for the weak, and he makes them strong. God consistently has a heart for the downtrodden, and he lifts them up, and he puts them in a place to stand and to walk and to fight and to believe and to accomplish and to walk with him. I want to ask you as we close this morning, in what area of your life does God want to increase your consistency? Would you take some time to think about that this morning? Would you take some time to think about that with God? God, in what area do you want to increase my consistency in my life? Predecisions are not based on what feels good in the moment. Predecide decisions are based on who God's calling you to be. While you're at it, ask that question. Who's God calling me to be? God, if you're calling me to be that person, then in what areas of my life do you want to increase my consistency? Because I believe with your help, I can become more consistent. With your help, I can read the Bible and I can see some of the weaklings you did amazing things with. I'm a weakling for God. (laughs) With God's strength, that's the point. With God, I can be consistent. You're successful when you honor God today. Not just at some far outreaching end that we may be obsessed with. What about today? Can you please God today? Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for Daniel. And yet, God, I know that you look at us in this room and you see Daniel. You see someone who's young and has potential. Someone who's surrounded with friends like we have. Who's in work situations like we have. Who has, who has you in our life. And God, you're the most important factor in every one of our lives. And our relationship with you matters. And honoring you in our life matters. And so God, I pray that you would divert our attention to spend time with you this week. And to really consider who who are you making me to be? What is your calling on my life? Who have you called me to be? And how can I be more consistent? What area of my life do you want to bring consistency to? And I pray that, Holy Spirit, you empower us, you strengthen us, you enable us, God, to know our why, to overcome failure, to plan on it, to become more consistent. Father, I pray that you bless us, you strengthen us, you dwell with us, and you be with us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.